Chat. My name is CF Traveler, and I am here with co-host George. George, how are you doing today? Doing well, Trav. How are you doing? Yeah, you know, can't complain. I have a blow pop in one hand right now, and, you know, the highlights of the uh, last Miami game. Life. All my iPad right next to me, so, you know, it's, it's a nice Wednesday night, and definitely feels weird to be recording this on a Wednesday instead of Thursday. Yeah, and it, it's going to be a real short episode if we're going to be talking about the highlights from this weekend. So, yeah, considering <laughs> just just how few there are. Uh, but we'll get into it, I guess. Um, but yeah, I mean, overall, I'm having a good week, kind of decompressing after that disappointing performance, and I am I am looking forward and a little bit hopeful for Saturday. But there are some questions, and I think we'll get to those. Uh, closer to the end yeah definitely you know a lot of questions heading into this weekend Miami is losing two key players to international duty in Joseph Martinez and Robert Taylor Uh, and this comes on the heels of Miami losing two nothing against Toronto and was for the most part a pretty untiring performance uh, in the fridge what are your ways from that game george uh i think it the the real obvious one is how important gregory is to this side and what his absence means and kind of puts me in a kind of a panic mode as far as how to fill it and how to address it uh moving forward um aside from that you know the the play, I think, of Harvey Neville was encouraging. He wasn't perfect, but he showed some skill on the ball. Uh, he made some really nice passes that I don't think we've seen a you know a defensive back on this team make before. And you know, just kind of nice to know what we have there, and and to kind of see him get a little bit more run. Um, and then I think. Stefanelli was coming to life a little bit, saw a little bit more from him, and really the only other takeaway is the fact that Joseph seems lost. He's getting service now, and he's getting into dangerous spots, but he just cannot put the ball either on frame or just put it away when he has those opportunities. And so those are kind of the takeaways now, you know, after week four, going into week five, that I think are really kind of pressing for the squad. Yeah, and I mean, you know, the point on Joseph is a good one because, you know, we finally saw him really get into those dangerous positions and chances. You know, we saw flashes of it against New York City FC, but against Toronto, we actually saw that. He had a couple of really good chances to do anything with them. You know, he had shots that he skied over the bar and a couple that he either just sent straight at the keeper or if just flubbed so it's a bit worrying that kind of big name winter transfer window signing hasn't really seen to kind of gain that confidence of you know the lethal striker that we know he is so it'll be interesting to see if you know that changes over time you know and at the same time, you know, somebody like Stefanelli 
finally, in my opinion, had a good match. He had a couple of really good chances. He was active for you know, pretty much the first 65-70 minutes before cooling off and you know, being swarmed by Toronto players. Harvey Neville, who I thought had a pretty good match overall, and in my opinion, kind of showed that you know, no, he's not a nepotism baby. He can ball. Oh, that that kid knows what he's doing. Yeah, I fully agree. Um, it was you know to both of you know to the point about Joseph and Stefanelli. You can see them starting to understand where each other want to be. Um, and much of like what we saw last year where it took time, it took weeks upon weeks for this team to figure itself out and to gel. Um, we're starting to see that now because we still, that entire attacking front line is new and they haven't played together. But, you know, I think that there was a couple of really good opportunities where Stefanelli was tucking in behind Joseph, who was making a run, um, you know, down the the center of the box. Stefanelli was coming in as the trailing attacker and just didn't get service. Um, Negri decided to rip a shot from, you know, a pretty negative angle uh, rather than dink it into the middle where Stefanelli was sitting there with nobody around him. Uh, That would have been probably an excellent opportunity. But, you know, we're, we're seeing some life with the attacking patterns, but we're still just not seeing enough uh, creativity and and um, really vision in getting the ball to, to players in the right spots at the right time. Um, and that's kind of what I want to see more of. I mean, I think the biggest, the person that I'm going to critique the most about that is going to be Pizarro because as much as he's been working really, really hard and has been pretty good, not TP level good, but he has been, he hasn't been a deficit on the field. He continues to find the ball at his feet and just does not look up to make a pass and decides to try to dribble two, three, four guys. He's going laterally rather than vertically with it. And, and it's kind of killing some momentum. And so I really want to see him, you know, utilize some vision, get the ball played to him and play a one touch pass and have some good combination play because that's going to unlock him and his ability to then press forward as well. Well, and I think, you know, in terms of creativity, the biggest thing for this Miami squad is the return of ball. You know, he's a kind of completely different striker from Martinez. He's dangerous in the air. He can hold up play much better. You know, so by having that kind of one-two threat up top when Campano returns, if Miami you know, kind of kill you ways. We can kill you with a cross in the air and go for the tall head of Leo Campana, or we can play, you know, play balls in where Campana makes a run and instead the ball goes to Josep who can take a shot and ideally have more space because Campana draws away defenders. So, you know, that's the biggest thing for this Miami squad, in my opinion, right now. And, you know, Stefanelli, I think, is 
better by the week. I think he's kind of going over time. He's learned mates want. Uh, my good buddy Eric with a you know great reply here that you know just shows the type of player that Stefanelli is, where oh you know, he has meshed well with the squad. You know he's a great leader and teammate. And in New York, after Gregory is, you know, potentially season ending injury, he stayed by his side after the game the whole time until, you know, Gregory was taken off the field and off the bench. So, you know, I I think this Miami team is now really just starting to gel. They're really just starting to get to know each other. And even with the loss of a player like Gregory, oh, I think this Miami team can do something. Oh, and especially as they get more healthy. But I think, I think. <laughs> Here we go. Okay, listen, listen. All right. I think the biggest thing with this team, we're missing the Iguains and the Pozuelos of the world. Just, just hear me out. Just hear me out. So basically, the biggest problem at the beginning of last year was not having a number 10, Right. Um, not having the creative playmaker, the guy who has the touch. Like, no matter how old you are as a player, your touch is forever. And in 2021, Iguain showed that. He he didn't run, but he had a great touch. And he remember, he was playing that false nine, and he was distributing um, from there. And, you know, his passes were great. We just don't have that. And I think we, we're running into the problem again of last year in 2022 of – we don't have a, a 10. So, listen, Stefanelli's not a 10. I, I may be too early to judge, but I, I sincerely do not believe that he's a number 10. And I think we just regressed a little bit backwards. And it's not necessarily like the, the, the Chris Henderson's fault or Neville's fault. It, it's not necessarily anybody's fault because, you know, people would think, oh, Pizarro is our new 10, but... He's not a 10. He's a winger or a left-sided midfielder. So I think we're just left with a void. So I think we're just going to try to stay afloat until the summer until we can get messy. But given that Busquets is signing with Barcelona, I'm not going to get into that. But I, don't <laughs> I don't know. It's just my, my sensation. So, so, Matthew, I agree with you 100%. Oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. I, I, with, everything, with, with everything you just said. And so... When, when I was talking with my father about Iguain and what makes him a special player, it's you know when you look at Messi and you say that like Messi was was built in God's image to you know to steal a you know a Ray Hudsonism, you know if Messi was built in God's image, um, Iguain was at least touched by God. He had he has the that kind of X factor quality that just doesn't go away he's world class he is and i mean we didn't get we didn't see the best iguain of his career but what we did see in flashes and then for the you know the end of last season was the extended run of what he can do when he's on the same page with somebody when someone can get him the inch that he needs because he doesn't he's not going to burn from people but if you give him, if you put a ball in the spot where he can get his foot to it, he's going to put it away every single time. And even before we had a 10, even before Putzwello came, 
when he was trying to play, you know, play as a 10 um, and he was dropping back, you, he would do things on the ball in the middle of the field where he would turn. He, he would be facing one sideline, get the ball played to him. He hasn't looked over his shoulder in six seconds, but he would snap around and hit a cross that, you know, on a rope that Yedlin had been busting his, his lungs down 60, 70 yards and it would land at Yedlin's feet. That that kind of class is forever, um, and we did see that, and that's you know, and so I agree with you that like there one Iguain we're missing an X factor like that. Two, I also agree Stefanelli is not a ten. You know, he's a he may be a false nine. He's a second striker. He is not a ten. Um, the only player that has that quality on this team is Bryce Duke, at least that we've seen, you know, right now, and he is he a starting caliber number 10 in this league and I don't think he is just yet and that's why kind of that's why I think we're in the position that we're in see that's what that's what like really irks me it's like we were like that's what irks me like this offseason it's like I remember Neville saying oh we're gonna bring in top-end talent which they did they improved the left-back position they improved their center-back position right and then we 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 got players that are that uh, we, we got top heavy with our players, but none of them have the X factor. Joseph, a post ACL injury, from what I'm seeing right now, is no longer. If if he was world class, he's definitely not world class now. Campana is injured, so I don't know what to say about him. And and there's a huge gap in the when we're moving forward because Stefanelli is a is a natural second striker, so he's going to try to occupy a similar space to Joseph. Joseph is not making runs right now. At least that, that's what we saw in the Toronto game. That that Mans was just walking on the field most of the time, and and that that that, that that's what was really irking me. And then if we have Stefanelli, the quote unquote ten, he's pushing very high up, which leaves a gap in the midfield between the eights and the and the forwards. So it's like really interesting. That like how this team is set up because now Gregory is down the person who would normally take up that position would maybe be Mota or something like that, but so now Gregory is down. So I'm like, there, there's every time we go forward, there's a gap on the top on the top of the box. Yes. So let me ask you, because so you weren't here last week, Matthew, but you know we talked about you know how to address the the Gregory injury. You know, do you? Do you do what Phil did, which was just slide in, you know, Duke or somebody else into that double pivot with Mota, or do you change formation? What do you think? What would what what would your, you know, kind of uh, tactical uh, tinkering be? All right, I'm going to give half an answer and then pass the baton to my dad, who clearly wants to speak right now. Me, for me, I don't think a double pivot works anymore. The double pivot was made for the two Brazilians. Now that one of the Brazilians are down, now we can't work with the double pivot. We have to move to a single pivot. But we don't have a natural six besides Ulloa. And if we play Ulloa, it's the end times. It's the it's like, I'm going to die. I'm gonna, my eyes are going to bleed. Like, all respect for Ulloa, but that guy is a lockdown guy, nothing more. But I'm going to pass the baton to my dad, who has his mic unmuted. And let's see what he has to say. Oh, thank you for such an introduction, uh, Matthew. 
I want to refer to the opinion as far as Pozuelo and that position. A number 10, part of their job, yes, is to attack and go forward, but they are also in charge of drawing marks down, you know, away from the, let's say, forward positions. So that leaves it, that leaves or pulls marks away and leaves gaps for people like a Mota or Gregory or a Taylor or a Pissarro to fill in, which was what was happening in la in the last season. And we saw such, uh, you know, great performances and great movement of players and ball when Pozzuolo had the ball at his feet. So in, in, in that aspect, I, you know, that's what we're lacking. We don't have that person that is dragging uh, marks off their positions. And so it makes it very easy, as I believe Matthew said, or, or, or Trav, about uh, Stefanelli playing too high. Well, it's not so much too high. He's falling into the, the shape that the opponent has. So that doesn't help. The other thing I think to that point, because that is an excellent point about the role of the 10 and how, especially a player like Mota, but even Gregory will, will jump up and start to progress um, when that space opens up. Pizarro and Coco aren't making runs to lengthen the defense. They're not trying to get in behind nearly as much as we were trying to do last year. And that is keeping the defensive the defensive back line in formation and and together. And so we're not doing anything off the ball, it seems, to create that that kind of dynamic space that causes a, a defender not just to pinch towards the 10, but also for one to have to track an attacking player making making that run out wide. And I think that those two things that we're not seeing either in conjunction or at all at some points during games, um, that that's kind of what's, you know, gunking up the works in, in building, uh, this team being able to build out an attack and get themselves into good attacking positions. I can't believe I'm going to say this, but that's what Ariel Lasseter did so good at the beginning, like pretty much all of last season, he was stretching out back lines because of his athleticism. Nobody's doing that. Coco's not making runs that stretch in the back line. Um, the only person who I can maybe think about that is Negri, and he's a fullback. Like, if you have your fullbacks stretching the back line when playing a back four, that's a problem because nobody like not 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 none of our forwards are stretching the back line at all like like every every team that we played against so far i have not seen their back line stretched at all maybe montreal maybe montreal yeah i mean the only time that i can recall it happening was in the first half and it was that ball that neville played inch perfect to beat the defender who was trying to who's trying to cut it out and found Coco, who was who had made the the run in behind him, um, and that's what ended up 
I believe that was the action that led to Stefanelli's shot that that was saved. Um, you know, probably what eight, twelve minutes into the first half, um, and it and it worked. And you know, and and part of the thing is is that for if you're not going to be if you're relying on service from from the you know from your fullbacks to do that which really that kind of service you would expect to be coming from a duke or a mota rather than from harvey um that's not great you know and cuz because yedlin doesn't have that pass in his bag he he has never i've never seen him make a pass that well over that much distance that accurately to unlock an attacking player moving forward. So I don't, I don't know. So back to the original question, Matthew is what do you do? Do you change this formation aside from moving from the double pivot? Like what, what does it look like? Four, three, three. I think we have no 10 and the four, four, two diamond. You need a 10. We don't have one unless we're forcing one, which is what we're trying to do. And a four, two, three, one, you need a 10 again, which is what we don't have. What um, about a what about a five four one? We changed that at the at the Philadelphia game, and that's when Taylor scored his goal. Well, like you can clearly like if you look back on the broadcast, you can literally see Taylor going five four one. Is is like um, gave away the tactics right there? Like the camera was right on him. But anyway, five four one, Jesus. Um, and the reason why I ask, Matthew, is because we know, you know, anybody listening to this who's watched this team over the last two years knows that we have the players to play a 4 through 3 right? Like, oh, 100%. They're, they're all on the bench, but, yeah, literally. But, but, we can, but we can move into that formation. We're comfortable playing out of that formation. The, you know, the 5 four, one is a little bit different and I think may play a little bit more into the strengths of some of the new guys. Um, what do you think? Uh, Negri, yeah, he he moves the ball very well forward, and he crosses the ball pretty nice. Um, a five four one, I think, would work if we play with inverted fullbacks. Oh well, in this case, wingbacks, the Pep Guardiola style, the Joao Cancelos of the world, you know. Um, but I don't think we have the right back man in order to play that. You need. They can run. Yedlin can run, but his passing, man, ooh, it hurts. Especially during the NYCFC game. Oh my god. Um, I still think four three three. I don't. I don't have. I don't have faith in a five four one. Mm I don't think that would work. It would work off the left side, but I don't think it work would work off the right. Given Yedlin's. Profile. Negri's profile, yes, but Yetlin's profile, no. No, I still stick with 4-3-3. Well, I think that, you know, you go with a 5-3-2. I think that's ultimate. You do. You know, you play across the back line from left to right. Gree, Mabika, Kristov, McVeigh, Yedlin, or Harvey. Uh, we don't know Yedlin's status as... Uh, he is, I believe, still waiting to have his second child. Uh, it is believed that he will be available, though, uh, just due to the fact that this is a home match. And if needed, he could you know, always you know, leave the match early or 
know, depart to turn and join the match. But I I think you play those five across the back, and then you play Pizarro, Molta, and then either Kramashi or Uloa in the midfield, since we are without Robert Taylor this week. And then up top, you play a mix of, uh, if it's not ready, you play El Coco. You know, they're both speedy strikers that, and they may be shorter in stature, but, oh, they are able to get in behind. Or, you know, you play somebody like, oh, who should back up. Robbie Robinson, there's a chance that he's back this week. And oh, kind of play balls over the top. Or you even play oh, Ariel Lasseter in the striker and abuse his pace. Again, oh, what's honestly not a great Chicago side. They are on two points three games. They have not looked really impressive in either matches. And, you know, have looked kind of just weak at times. Back five is too risky. Given Frey is down, um, when, after that, let's say Sailor goes down, then we have Mabika and nobody else. Um, well, Matthew, I think we're talking about playing a back five for, you know, one game where, you know, we're Robert Taylor, we're missing Joseph Martinez, uh, you know, we're potentially missing... No, no Leo... Yeah, no, no Robbie. You know, we're missing quite a few guys, you know, for this one match. <laughs> but do you really want to sit back with a back five or would you say the full the wing backs push up really high and get involved with the attack? They have to but get involved with the attack. They have to. I mean, even when we've been playing a back four in transition in attack, it's like a back three with. Now, when both Molta and Gregory were healthy, Molta and Gregory dropping in and basically playing as a third center back as, you know, Yedlin and Negri were told, you can go touchline to touchline if you want. I don't know, man. I, uh, uh, back five and and a, I don't, it doesn't, it doesn't sit well with me. I have bad memories of a back five. Well, that's because your memories only go back like five years, so. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> I mean, the yeah, I when I talk about a back five or a back three, like I'm I'm talking about it as a as a as a formation to to best utilize the talent that we have, right, that's available to us right now. Um I think rather than, you know, rather than trying to do a double pivot and replace, you know, Gregory, who is basically irreplaceable right now, um, you know, with, by, by sliding Mota over and Duke into the, into the formation, it makes more sense to me to keep Mota as the deep lying, you know, playmaker. And instead of, dropping Duke back with him to pivot, you bring on another center back. 
you 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 get that solidified defensive setting that Gregory was providing already this year. Even though we're playing a back four, um, in transition, we were playing as if we had three center backs a lot of times because Gregory was dropping down to cover uh, when you know Yedlin and or Negri, because they both have done it simultaneously, that leaves the back line exposed with just you know Serge, Sergei and and McVeigh. So Gregory would stay back there, and basically they were they were playing a flat back three. So if we're already attacking that way, it makes more sense just to slide in another defensive player and just play out of that formation and let the other attacking pieces kind of sort out what they're doing in the advance rather than trying to play the ball out of the back and build up through Duke and Mota where it's not really working and let, and let one of them play more advanced. Does that make sense? Well, or even, you know, let somebody like Bryce Duke where, you know, if you have the, you know, two wingbacks pushing high, it would allow Bryce Duke to play in the half space where, you know, he showed last year that he can dominate. And, you know, in this match against Toronto where Bryce started, he really couldn't play in the half space. He had to play through the middle. He had to play in the middle third of the pitch. And that's not where Bryce thrives. Bryce thrives playing in mostly the right half space, but also the left half space. So if you want to get the best out of this squad uh, with the current injuries that we have and the roster we likely have on Saturday, I think you have to turn around and, you know, consider playing something like a five, three, two, where, you know, you turn around and let Bryce and let Pizarro both play within the half space on each side of the field. So what, what would, I mean, with, have have you taken a look at what kind of formations Chicago is going to be presenting us on Saturday? Chicago so far to date has played. Let's look at their match last week against Cincinnati where for, you know, 46 minutes, they were up three to one on what's a very good uh, Cincinnati side. But then in the final 10 minutes of the match, managed to allow two goals and only draw Cincinnati. And in that match, Chicago played a 4-2-3-1. But you have to remember that Chicago is going to be missing uh, Boxman himself. He will be missing from this match. The cube. Uh, The power cube. The power cube. Uh, They will be missing their new CDM Torres. And I believe they're missing somebody else to international duty this week. Navarro. Oh, yeah, and they're missing Navarro. So, you know, they're left back, they're CDM, and they're number 10 they're going to be missing this week. But last week, they played without two of those three players in a 4-2-3-1 and still managed a very entertaining 3-3 draw with Cincinnati. So, 
you know, is this a team that we can play a back five against or a back three against? I think so. I think somebody like Casper uh, Prisbilko isn't great. Prisbilko, I don't give a shit. Uh, I think he is not a great striker in this league. I think he's somebody who got the Philly effect and, you know, looked really good in their system and now has moved to Chicago and hasn't looked great. But, you know, they still have players that can attack on the wing in, oh, Chris Mueller, who is back in MLS after a stint with, I believe, Celtic and then coming back home. And, you know, on, but saying all of that, you know, if you look at the ratings from this past weekend's match against Cincy, the lowest rated players on their squad were their double pivots and their defenders and their goalie, who is. I believe, ni- yeah, 19 years old. Don't forget so, they bottled, too. They bottled Arsenal style. They conceded two goals, and uh, they finished the game 3-3. Yeah, so, you know, I, I think Chicago is a very beatable side, and I think they're a side that if you want to play a back five against, it- it's going to work because it allows you to then overload their midfield and their double pivot when you aim to get back up the field. I think we should just run them to death. It's like, what? It's going to be 90 degrees that day, if I remember the weather correctly. Like, um, I think we do it early 2022 style, just run them to death with Lasseter, Yedlin, you know, the speedy players, you know? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, you make a good point there. The... High temperature on Saturday is a nice 88 degrees. However, by kickoff at 7.30 p.m., it should be back down the low 80s and dropping farther from there. Oh, But if you can play an aerial Lasseter and run them to death, you kind of have to consider doing it. Why? Okay, so one of the points that was made i i don't know if it was franco or if it was jay and than um but we are a small team and the toronto game really kind of ex- made that very evident that without gregory in the lineup we are not a we we don't we can't be a physical team moving forward interjecting someone like Lassiter or borgelin can really give us a little bit of punch and, and especially Leo, if he were to, you know, if he gets to come back um, that I think that kind of physicality, especially with, you know, the fact that the weather is going to move into our favor for the next four and a half, five months. Um, that's something that this team needs to become a little bit more comfortable with, but the guys that we, that, that we have out there right now, they're not going to do it because it's just not it. They don't have it in their bag um, and they physically can't. I mean, Joseph will mix it up with people, but he's still five, seven at best. Um, yeah. It's five, seven. You know, he's not, you know, he, he's, he can, he, he can hold his own, but he's not going to, he's not going to wear down a defender in, in duels, you know? And I think that that's something else that I would like to see a little bit more of because, 
a bit more bite in the attacking third isn't just about having, you know, the, you know, good shots, but it's about, you know, imposing your will on bad defenses. We didn't do that against Toronto and that is not a good defense whatsoever. Um, and I think that that's something that we're missing and that, you know, I think, I think the tactical change and adding in a laughter would do that, but he's not a physical player so much as he is, you know, uh, someone's going to rely on his quickness um, that will slow down the defense eventually. But I want to see somebody kind of bang around in there a little bit too. There's a certain really tall Barcelona CDM that's six foot six one, who just is probably signing to to renew his contract. So I can't really talk about it anymore because he plays for Barcelona. But oh, if only thank we had God. Something. No, not thank God. We need a six. Mota's not a six. Ujoa is a bench player. We don't have right, a I'll, six. I'll, I'll have with you on the pod, Matthew. So we need a six. Do we need a six right now or do we need a six in August? Now. All now. Right. So this certain six foot, you know, old as hell uh, Spanish CDM, when would he be able to join the club? July. All right. So if we needed number six now, why are we talking about a six foot, you know, 30 year old uh, player that isn't going to do us any good for another couple of months? Because and, he, until the point Busquets, that we because Busquets equals him. Messi, Busquets equals Messi. That's why. You know when you yell the same thing into the void over and over again. You know what that is? Insanity. Yes. Schizophrenia. Oh, so. Oh, I, and I enjoy that your dad is here to listen to this because your dad's I, uh, a great guy, and oh, I, I think it's great that he gets to listen to you just scream the same thing into the void over and over again. All right, all right, all right, Dad, let's hear it. Would you take Busquets on this team right now? Let's hear it now. It, it, it's not the question of right now because we can't have him right now. All right, July. July, would we have Sergio Busquets, the top three best CDMs in the world, right now, signed for Inter-Miami in the summer? Okay, I'm going to side with the voice of reason here, with the host, Matthew. Why, ha- why wish for something that we cannot have right now? It's not going to happen. The team has to fix the central midfield specifically the yeah, central defender, uh, def- excuse me, midfielder. So don't think about it. And about Messi, stop thinking about it. Get happy, become happy, get, get hoot, holler if he gets contracted. But why, why dream? Because Whoa. the club tells me I have the freedom to dream. Oh, gee. <laughs> Let, good good oh, boy. Oh, boy. Let me, I, let me get... Let me get back to you guys on on, on team formation. Yes, uh, Neville's got a job right now. I'm actually surprised that there's not someone that we can identify ourselves as fans that there's a backup for Gregory. We knew this 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 can happen at any time. We know that Mota is not really an enforcer. 
he has the ability, and I agree with Matthew and and with the others here on on the dais that he's much more of a forward midfielder. Okay, he's an aide. He's he 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 likes to hang around close to the to the box. Now, I got some advice here from someone who played soccer for a little bit, Matthew's brother, who's listening only. He said, why not go with 3-5-2 and let the midfield, the five to be dynamic and switch from 3-2 to to 2-3, to depending on what kind of movement and what kind of uh, response Chicago will be giving the team. But at the moment, but let me just go back to the idea of we have to have a, some kind of backup. Well, if we don't, then it has to be Ujaw. Ujaw is the closest thing as to an enforcer. What other players there in the midfield that can do or perform at the Gregory's level or even half of his level right now? The only CDM on the roster is Ujaw. That's it. Okay. And he, I don't think he there would be a problem. You put him right smack in the middle or to the left or to the right of Mota. Or we play in a 3-5-2, a, a, a and it's basically it's going to be more of a 3-3-2-2. You know, two, two. But in any kind of dynamic you know, movements that you want to you know, include or draw up in, in this formation. But if with uh, what Trav mentioned earlier, and about Chicago's rating, and where their performance was very low in the de- in the defense and the midfield, then why should we be so defensive? We should go for it. Well, I agree with that. I mean, and it's one of those things where when I when I talk about about a five in the back, you know, I'm talking about really three center backs. The the wing backs are they can be part of that five or they can be part of the midfield. I don't really, it doesn't some, you know, to me that's semantics because it, it, it I like it as a offensive tactic. Um, with regards to Uyoa, I don't have a problem with him playing. I think that what Phil is trying to do. And I think what we all want is to see, our best 11 at, you know, at any point in time, you know, if we're going to be committed to playing, you know, a four, two, three, one, um, he's clearly the best option to fill in Gregory's role. And we're not going to lose games because he's there. Like he's not a bad player, but he's a bandaid. You know, he's not, you know, he's, he's not as dynamic as Gregory. He's not as skilled. He's not, he doesn't have as much bite. But he will do the job. He will do the work, um, and that you know he, we won't we won't drop points because he's in the lineup. We're going to drop points because Gregory's not there, um, and so I, I Uyo doesn't bother me um, sliding in, and I, I think he's deserved you know he deserves an opportunity if we're going to do that. Um, but yeah, I, I agree. Think, yeah, taking it to but taking it to Chicago is really what this team, what the dynamic should be, you know, moving forward is like this. We need to continue with the, atta- the attacking identity that Phil has been talking about. We just need to execute it. 
may I remind us that whoa, how many game winless games did Toronto have? We broke their nine game winless streak. We got we got to turn that around real quick. I'll stop being so negative, Matthew. I'm just facts. It's just facts. It's four games. We're four games into the season, going into the fifth game. It's we're not. We don't need to panic just yet. Although Gregory is kind of kind of worrisome in filling that spot, and that's why we're focusing on it. Oh, if you gentlemen can indulge me, Matthew. Of course, mom. Just reminded me. Please let the guys know that how upset she is that Robbie Taylor will be missing from the game this Saturday. Oh, she yeah, my is... mom has a thing for a Robert Taylor. I, like I respect that. Out. Speaking, <laughs> I respect speaking that of Robbie Taylor, uh, one of my friends actually matched with him on Bumble this week, so it's quite funny right now. Didn't Harvey Neville get with someone in Austin? Guys, don't be, don't be, don't be getting people's business out there like that. What a bunch of snitches! <laughs> Harvey Come Neville on. actually tried to hook up with my friend while uh, Miami was busy getting out in Austin last year. Oh, Harvey! Hey, go get it, boy! But, but yeah, you know, I I think that you know for Miami, the biggest question is. How do we replace Gregory? And that's a question we're going to be asking. Oh, until we do sign a replacement, you know, do we sign a guy now that we're reportedly out of the race for Sergio Busquets? Do we sign a guy right now and sign a guy like, you know, let's say, Stepanenko? You know, uh, yes, thank you, Matthew. Do we sign a guy like Stepanenko who is available, can be signed immediately? And Artie kind of has chemistry with this squad because of his relationship with a player like uh, Sergei Kristoff. So, it, it, you know, it's a really interesting question of what does Miami do now? Uh, what's next? Use, and... use our U-22 initiative slots. Use one of them. It's screaming. It's there. We're not using it. We're only using one of them because weird MLS rules say that because that one Liga MX team I can't name took Emerson without a loan fee, it technically doesn't free up the spot. But still, we have two that are completely being unutilized right now. We gotta so, use one of them. I agree so, with the host. We need to bring in a a a a seasoned veteran into that number six, number five spot there in the, in the central uh, midfield. Quick scouting. Tara Sepanenko played for the Ukrainian and still plays for the Ukrainian national team for over 10 years. He is, I think I already said, he's 35 years old, and he also played plays for Shak, Shakhtar Donetsk. So he played with uh, Sergei Krivtsov um, for about eight years and their best friends on Instagram. Yeah, you know, I think if I'm Chris Henderson and I'm Miami and I've been told that we are no longer in the race for somebody like Sergio Busquets, the first thing I'm doing is I'm looking at, you know, Stepanenko. I'm saying to Sergey, hey, man, can you get him on the phone? Let's see what we got to pay to bring him over here. 
And, you know, that, that for me is my number one target. And then, oh, yes, we have U22 slots available. And yes, you know, we should be using them. But those are slots that in this league, you need to use on players who can be impactful now just as much as you can use on players who are going to, you know, grow and potentially be sold later on. Oh, that's why Miami is using one on a player like Emerson, who, you know, yes, he hasn't shown his absolute best so far, but he is a very promising player. He's a player that when he arrived in Miami, a lot of people were excited about him and about what he could do. So, you know, you, you do need to be careful with those U22 slots because you do not want to waste them. And and let's not forget, we're, we're still under cap constraints. You know, like, like we're not going to be clear of the Matuidi thing until next season. Um, and so all of that kind of complicates the the dynamic of just saying, Let's go buy this player. Let's go sign these kinds of players. I mean, I think that that's, I mean, it's clear to get back to what we were talking about, I don't know, 25 minutes ago. Um, when, you know, when we were talking about, or when Matthew was talking about it, and I'm going to defend Matthew again, you know, why, why, <laughs> defend Matthew, <laughs> why, why Busquets and, and Messi have been, they have been the targets. We know that they've been the targets, that this team, has been built with the idea of those those two players, but specifically Messi, being the catalyst for success, right? These, the team that is established has been built right now can be successful in this league, but that's not the vision that either the team has or that Henderson's been given as far as how to build the team. And that's kind of why we're sitting here with you know with all of these questions about who to sign or how to sign and fill the spot when somebody like Gregory goes down because this team was not built with that in mind that this team was built for the summer not for the spring and and that's you know it and the question becomes do we pivot now i don't know the answer i i don't have inside sources i don't talk to people um, inside the club. You know, I'm not an agent. So it's all guesswork from, from my angle. But if the team wants to build around Messi, I don't see them, you know, filling a spot unless they are absolutely sure that Busquets, who would be a requirement to get Messi, is not coming, right? That would be the point at which they could pivot at least that piece of the chessboard to something else. Yeah, I, I mean, I agree. You know, the a kind of big thing for this Miami squad is we were built around the idea that in the summer we were going to be able to add two very big names in Sergio Busquets and Lionel Messi. And as it appears right now, and... You know, this is based on reporting out of Spain, which at times has been inaccurate. Sergio Busquets is re-signing with Barcelona, and Lionel Messi is in talks to sign with Barcelona, but at the same time, he's in talks to return to PSG, and he's in talks with Miami. 
So the Lionel Messi dream is still very much alive. And until both of these dreams truly die, and I've the beginning, until both truly die, my struggle to make any moves because you can't. You can't make any moves with the idea, oh, we're going to need a DP for Lionel Messi, or, you know, oh, we're going to need that TAM money to sign Sergio Busquets. So, Oh, that's Miami's issue. Until they're officially told, you know, no, we're not coming here, they're handcuffed. And you know, the question I've presented quite to everybody uh, is, would you be okay with forcing the chance at Lionel Messi and at Sergio Busquets to better the squad now for the full season? Or are you willing to until the summer to say, Oh, oh, look, you know, we did you know, Messi now. You know, they basically you know, thirds of the season. With, now we have to pivot to our other targets. And for me, if you ask me personally, I say Miami's at the point where, you know, if Sergio Busquets has communicated to the club that he's not coming here, pivot. You know, look at other players. Look at Stempanenko. If, you know, Lionel Messi communicates the same thing sometime in the next week or two so that we have time before the primary transfer window closes, that, you know, he's not coming here, then pivot. Let's better the squad now for a larger portion of the season than waiting for the summer and saying, you know, oh, man, you know, we played two-thirds of the season without Gregory and, you know, waiting on two players that didn't come here. The fallout. If if we don't get the chance to sign Messi, the media, the fans, everyone's gonna be everyone's gonna be like, "What a failure of the club!" Like I can see it right now. That it's I mean, they've, be but they've been amazing. calling this club a failure since its launch. You know, and I know, but imagine with if good, we lose with out good on reason. Imagine, well, and you know, I kind of disagree with that because. You know, look at a club like Sporting Kansas City. Sporting Kansas City believed they were extremely close to signing Cristiano Ronaldo. It went completely under the radar. And then when it was leaked, everybody said, wow, we didn't expect, you know, Sporting Kansas City to, you know, Cristiano Ronaldo to the table to speak with them. So, I, I think, no, Matthew, you wait. I think that, you know, you turn around and, you know, yes, it's a failure not to be able to sign him. But let's remember at the end of the day, this is MLS that we're talking about. You know, yes, we love the league, but it's still not considered an elite league to many. And the fact that we're even talking about signing a player that, you know, three months ago won the World Cup and is arguably the greatest of all time. The fact that we could be this deep into conversations with them and, it goes on this long. That alone is a uh, success in my books. Yeah, and I think it's about what the identity of the club and what the motivations are internally. Because in this league, you can build your team in multiple different ways. You can build it like a Philly and like Seattle, which is young players or, you know, under-the-radar players that are solid and you build a team that 
is not just competitive, but a winning side. You know, can win trophies in this league. There are others that can that will build it in the way that we seem to be wanting to build it, which is with you know high profile superstars, and you can win trophies that way as well. We haven't I hit on. I we haven't hit, but we haven't hit on the formula yet, right? If this, if what management and ownership wants to do is to be, is to be a, not just, you know, one of the best clubs in MLS, you know, that, that people who pay attention to the league, you know, think highly of Seattle and Philadelphia, but the team with the biggest brand recognition is LA Galaxy and they've been trashed for a decade, you know, like they're still the most popular team worldwide when it comes to this league. So if we want to have more teams like that, we have to, we have to take swings like this and to Trav's point as to whether or not to wait and see what happens in the summer or to pivot right now. As much as I believe in this team, I'm okay with waiting. I'm okay with taking your shot because if you if you hit, we know what's coming with that, right? We know the wave of popularity to the club, you know, and the hopeful success that would come with a player like Messi. But even if you miss, you still, I'm certain that there are other players that probably would we would be able to attract and have them longer, you know, and build a better squad from as a result of that pursuit of Messi. And if it means costing us another season to get to the point to get there with those other kinds of conversations, I'm okay with that. I mean, it's, you know, I didn't come into the season thinking that this team was going to win MLS Cup. You know, I picked a seventh in the conference. So I'm okay with, I'm okay with taking the shot and rolling the dice, you know, long for the long-term benefit on either side, whether we hit or whether we miss with Messi. If you have the chance to get a goat, if you get a goat, get the goat, I would take it. Yes. 100%. 100%. Live it. Like, I'm just thinking of the media fallout. Like, oh my God. Like, all the Euro snobs, everyone around the league is just going to clown us for years. You didn't get messy because what, what has Jorge Mas said since, and David Beckham said, said since day one, we're going to get messy. Like, like they set the standards so damn high for us that anything besides him would be considered a failure. So I can just like see the scenes on social media about like what would happen if, if we just didn't get him. But that's just me. Yeah, I mean, I'm not entirely worried about that. I mean, I think the very last of our worries is uh, what does the media think of us? You know, I rather us field a competitive team and uh, silence the media. You know, we don't need to listen to. Know what people are about us. If anything, put it on the wall. Use it as motivation. You know, put those beginning of the year. You know, oh, Miami's going to finish. You know, best in the conference. They're wooden spoon contenders. Put it on the wall and use it as motivation. Say, not that team. Oh, so I'm not concerned about what the media says. I, you know, personally think that you know, yes, Messi is the all time. He is you know, a player that would undeniably 
change the future of MLS in just one signing. But at the same time, you know, you can't waste two thirds of a season hoping that you get him unless you say, all right, 2024, the sanctions are gone. We're going for it. And going for it starts by building in the summer window of 2023. But, but I think that that's obvious, right? I mean, Pizarro's contract ends at the end of the season. You know, Iguain is now off the books. The sanctions will, will have, will have come off. Um, you know, like there's no obvious dead weight, quote unquote, hanging over this team if you're going to swing for the fences this summer. And if you miss, right, if you don't knock it out, well, you get to, you know, you get to use all of that capital that you've built up, that war chest and, and the powder that you've kept dry, and you get to use it. You just get to use it on a different target. And maybe it pivots in in the in the tier of player that they go out and sign, but I don't think it changes the identity of what ownership wants this team to be. Because I mean, honestly, like let's let's be real the the identity of this club is going to be driven by the owners. It's not going to be driven by us um, and what we want. You know, it's going to be driven by what David and the Moss brothers want, and they want to build a Galactico style squad. If I was building an MLS team, I would want them to look more like Philly and Seattle because I think that that's a model that works here. But if you want to be the international brand of the league, if you want to try and do something and risky, you got to do it the way that they're doing it. And that means, you know, not being afraid to fail. And I don't think that they are. You know, I think that even if we don't sign them, it's not a failure. The fact that, that the media cycle has had you know, inner Miami and David Beckham, you know, just spinning nonstop over the last four months has been good for the club and good for our profile. And it's going to be good for our negotiating positions with other players in the future, because we're making a real effort to try and sign the most, the highest profile player in the world. And that means something. How long are we willing to wait? Though I'm just saying this season, like, what do we do if he just stalls until the last day of the transfer of the transfer window? You but wait. We can't sign anybody because we're waiting on his decision. Like, do you think the club would be willing? I would be willing to wait until the last day. That's me. I would be waiting until 11.59. Well, well and, and Messi, you know, he is the caliber of player that, you know, no, he is not going to be signing on July 31st, the last, you know, or whenever the last day of the MLS secondary window is. He's going to have a decision made well before then. You know, he personally could have a decision made now. He could, you know, be saying, you know, I'm going to go to Barcelona, I'm going to stay at PSG and have that personally made up. But a player of his caliber isn't going to kind of sit on his toes and, you know, meddle over his offers until the very last possible second. He he, uh, almost guaranteed will have a decision made by, you know, by the time that transfer window opens, if he's changing clubs, he will be announced as an, as a player by then. And if, you know, and even possibly earlier than that, since he would be signing on a pre-contract. Like, this isn't the LeBron James decision, right? Like, this isn't that. This isn't a player 
this is Messi making a decision as what's best for him for the end of his career. What's the LeBron James thing? Sorry. Um, are you no, okay. I, no, I can't be bothered. All right. Um, yeah, we'll do. I'll debrief you on that later. But when LeBron came to Miami, it was the the go the superstar the the player at the pinnacle of the sport making a decision where everybody was in on him and saying, "I want to play here." Right, and he could drag that out for as long as he wants. Messi can do whatever he wants. He could end his career tomorrow, and no one would say that 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 it's a bad decision because it's his choice. He's had an incredible career, and any decision that he makes is going to be for himself. Um, so you know, but and I agree with Trev. I don't think he's going to drag it out, but he doesn't. He also doesn't owe us <laughs> owe us anything if he doesn't want to tell us in advance. Yeah, I, I and mostly to kind of try to wrap up, you know, I think that in terms of Messi, whoever he's with, know well in advance because they the biggest part of all of it is they want to sell tickets well in advance. No, no club wants to know on you know, June 30th that, you know, on July 1st, Lionel Messi is going to be a player be, for your club because. Oh, they want that run-up. They want to be able to say, you know, oh, look, we signed Lionel Messi. Come to our games. Come to our preseason matches. All of that. You know, so uh, that's my thinking with it. But to transition to, you know, kind of wrapping up here. Uh, Miami now plays a, a poor Chicago side this weekend after coming off of a 2 nothing loss against Toronto. Uh, they play Saturday night, 7.30 p.m. at Toronto. Stadium. You can catch it live on Apple TV MLS Season Pass for those who cannot be in attendance. Attendance. It is a, I believe, giveaway night. The did we lose Trav? I think we lost him. I think we lost him too. Well. Should I take his mound? Don't let him. Don't. Let I him lost the World up. Cup to Lionel Messi, the goat. All right, that's enough. You back? Yes, Brad? I'm back. I forgot the Inter Miami app, Twitter. Uh, but yes, yeah, so Miami does play this weekend. Uh, no giveaway. The full giveaway will be on Mace. But to out here, let's hear some predictions. What is everybody predicting Miami does this, Adam? I who first? I guess I'll go first. Um, you know, but we're, we're going to be depleted. They're going to be depleted. Um, I think it's going to be probably a two-two draw. Okay, I guess I assume next. Um, it is not going to be a pretty game of football. Both teams are losing their "quote unquote" top end talent. Um, I do think the Heat will kill them because it's. I think it's in the mid forties in Chicago, and I think when you go from the forties to the eighties in a day, you feel pretty exhausted after running ninety minutes. Um, 
last minute winner, Indiana Vasilev style, 2-1. I do think we concede one. Who 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 hits the winner? Travis gonna love this. Benjamin Kremashi. I wanted that's the name I wanted to hear. Wow, you are so negative, Matthew. What are you talking about? Uh, what you think we're gonna win five zero? No, I think it's going to be a tete a tete kind of game, but there may be some goals scored. I think I'm I'm looking at a three one in our favor. Who scores? I that is uh, a good question. Depends on what kind of formation Neville comes out with. I don't know. I'm saying, shoot in the dark. Shoot in the dark. Dark. Shoot in the dark. Uh, we could have a crazy Mota goal again. You know, from long distance, we can have a uh, Borjolin. Is is he available or is he out on international duty? Uh, he may be available back from injury. Okay, and at Lasseter. All right, I like it. Uh, I'm going to think that Miami manages a 2-1 win here. Oh, I think Stefanelli gets his first, and I think Bryce Duke gets another one in an in a Miami kit. So, you know, I, I do think Miami managed to win this weekend. I do think that they are the better squad, even with some players out injury and due to uh, international duty. But on I... that note, thank you again to everybody for joining us for this week's episode of Trav Chat. If you're listening to this live, you can catch the replay on Spotify, Apple Music, and wherever you get your podcasts via the Inner Miami podcast. And if you are listening to this on the recording, well, welcome. Please join us uh, next week at 8.30 on Thursday nights. We'll be returning to our normal slot and you know, join the conversation just like Oh, Albert and our editor, Matthew, were able to tonight. So we'll end this the way we end every single episode of Trap Chat with the good old Vamos Miami. Vamos Miami. Vamos Miami. Vamos Miami. Thank you again to everybody for joining us, and we will see you Saturday night at Drive Home Stadium.